Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17 of Bible and Breakfast with Basketball Dads. I'm excited to be joined by a good friend of mine, Adam Bradley, today, who's uh, the, the host of the Hardwood Hustle podcast. He also is the uh, owner of Lead em Up and started this organization, Lead em Up, um, which is really good for high schools, colleges, just you know any player looking to grow as a leader and coaches who are using this curriculum. And we'll talk a little about this later in the show. But Adam, so thank you, uh, thankful for you to be here today, man. Yeah, man, I, I'm excited, and I, I appreciate you and your friendship. And you know, our friendship's going on probably about five or six years, and it's kind of grown over the years. And it's proof that you can truly build a relationship via digital initially, right? And yeah. if you choose to invest in it and actually want to see it grow, you can actually have it grow. And you and I connected over online through the podcast, and then have been able to spend a lot of time in person and, and be together for a variety of different instances. So I, I'm excited for you and this show and, and honored to be a part of it, Andrew. Man, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful for all the stuff you do with with the podcast. And it's I know it's impacted me as a coach and as a person. And obviously, our relationship the last few years has impacted me in so many ways. So um, before we kind of jump into some questions about, you know, your journey and, and what you're doing now. I uh, just want to ask you a little bit, what, what's God been doing? I know there's been so many crazy things that's going on in 2020, but what are some things God's been teaching you, some stuff you've been learning from scripture? You know, I'd say over these last few months specifically, um, I've really been digging really hard into Philippians 4.13, not just the classic well-known verse that everybody quotes and gets tatted up all over, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But really thinking about the context around that, when you begin thinking, when that statement is said by Paul, like I think a lot of people forget, we, we think of it as like a rallying cry, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can run through this wall, right? I can beat this team and I can overcome this. And yes, that's part of it. Absolutely. Right. But when he talks about that, he's in a really bad position. He doesn't have much. He's limited. He's actually locked up. And, and what he's talking about really when you dig in is about being joyful in the midst of nothing. And I can't tell you during all of this how much I think about that. You know, I so much has been taken from us over these last few months, right? We're limited on what we can do. You know, people can't even do their jobs in some instances, you know, for lead them up. We can't be with the teams in person. We can't impact like so it limits our ability to do that. I mean, there's so much limited um, and restrictions in place. And for me, I'm so locked in on that because I don't want my joy to be reliant on those things. I want I'm cool with my joy being enhanced from those things, but not dependent on those things. And for me, I want to, and, and I've just been challenged a lot just throughout all of this, like even in the midst of limited limitations and restrictions, can I still show up joyful, right? Can I do all things in Christ who gives me strength? Can I show up special? Can I show up with a great spirit? Can I be joyful in the midst of frustration or in the midst of limitation or restriction? So for me, I've really been praying hard about that. And that's been like the big wrestle for me. Um, you know what I mean, Andrew? No doubt. I know what you mean. And I've, I've been going through that same thing. And that, that passage of scripture is so powerful because I think, like you said, we often look at the one verse and it is like, man, we just get motivated. But I think if we stay on that one verse and that's all we look at, it can be very, 
disheartening when you can't do everything or you, you know, with, with that mindset of thinking you can do everything because you have to get the whole context in mind of the contentment and the joy and what that verse really is talking about. And it's talking, like you said, it's talking about Paul who's, who's in prison and he's been brought high, he's been brought low, but through everything he's content and he can do all things through Christ. And I think knowing that context is so important and I'm, man, I'm, I'm right there with you and, learning and that it, stuff. And for me, it's been a challenge about my spiritual maturity because I really believe like if I can sit in the midst of limitation restriction, I know I keep saying that and be joyful and be, and I don't even want to say happy because I don't like use that term happy because it's so temporary. It's mm -hmm. so much based on your feelings, you know, um, but really joy because joy is that deeper contentment and peace within you. Um, if I can be that in the midst of not having everything, then I, I feel like it's, it's displaying my maturity in Christ that like my relationship has got a, gotten to a point where I can sit here and feel a certain way, even while everybody around me is frustrated and upset and in turmoil. And, but for me, I'm good. I'm good. Right. Because I, I don't need that. Now I want it. Right. I certainly would agree that it'd be better. Even Paul would probably admit that it'd be better right, not to be in prison. Okay. For sure. um, so for me, yeah, that's, I, I've been, I can't tell you how much I've been thinking about that right there and being challenged and leaning into God and say, God, like in the midst of this, like still give me the joy. And it's tough, right? It's tough. Like you got kids. Carl Lentz said it best about kids, right? Kids are uh, annoying yet amazing. They are irritating yet simultaneously incredible. Okay. And when you got kids and you're locked in the house, like it can be tough, right? Cause they can be challenging. And, and I just want to keep fighting through that and doing everything I possibly can. And so I've been leaning into that scripture, Andrew. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's an incredibly encouraging. And thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I've seen you live that too, you know, just talking with you, asking your advice about stuff, man, you always have that, that, uh, calm, content, easygoing, like, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to get through this. Here's how we figure it out. Let's think about it. Let's respond to it. And I've always appreciated that about you. So thank you so much for sharing that. Adam. Mm -hmm. Um, you have your hands kind of in a lot of things, man. You, you obviously have lead them up. You have a podcast and I know you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit about you. What, where did that kind of come from? Why did you, when you first started, you know, kind of doing these things on your own, what, what kind of was going through your mind and why, why did you do that? Why did you say, I want to be an entrepreneur and, and make these things happen for my family? That's a great question. I actually don't know the answer to that. You know, I, I don't know why or where it came from, to be honest with you. Um, why I've always wanted everything to be big. Like I, like I think about all areas of my life, right? Like, and it sometimes drives my wife crazy because like, I always want to move. I always want to take it to the next level. And she's like, can't we just do it? Right. Can't we just like, just have a few people over? Why do we have to have the whole neighborhood over, you know, things like that. And, you know, I think back to like, you know, I hosted a golf tournament for 10 years, a charity golf event in the region. And um, when it first got introduced year one, it's funny. And this question made me think of this. What it was, was my buddy was a pro at a golf course. He said, Hey, as a, a little, uh, engagement gift. I'd like to get you and uh, seven of your buddies out for the golf just to play golf. I'll give you two foursomes. You can go on the course, go have some fun. That first, once he said that, I, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Came back to him a couple of days later and say, you know, 
what if I went bigger? Like, what if I actually had a tournament and like had sponsors, we had food and I, I brought everybody and like we shut the course down for the second half of the day. What do you think about that? And he was like, I mean, if that's what you want to do. And boom, out of the gate, got 80 people to play. Sponsors, we found a charity and it was just, boom, we just did it. And, and then it grew to like a 10 year tournament where we had full fields and Nike sponsored and things like that. Same with my initial podcast, right? When I started the Ball Hawks and we were covering the, the Washington uh, football team here, had to see how I had to tweak the, Washington, the Washington football team. I had to say, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, what team? I stopped myself right in the like, Okay, let me, let me rephrase it. Um, you know, we were just doing a podcast in the basement. Before you know it, I said, you know, we got to have all these shows. We could cover all the teams. And before you knew it, we grew a, a podcast network. Keep in mind, Andrew, 10 years ago, we grew a podcast network, had a thousand foot studio, 10 shows on the podcast network. Bro, 10 years ago, people didn't even know what podcasts were. Everybody has a podcast network now. This was 10 years ago. But we, boom, let's get one for every show. We grew that. I don't know why. This is just God like wiring people differently and him just wiring me to be that, maybe my personality being extroverted. Um, but I haven't fought that wiring. I think it's really important, right? Because I think a lot of people are wired certain ways and maybe they, they go against it, right? Maybe it's almost like they push back on how God has created them because maybe they have a different thought, right? I, I've leaned into the personality that God has given me to like be around people, to enjoy activity and grow things and build things. And you can almost say I've doubled down on it. Uh, and it's been pretty good so far. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a great point you make about just, you kind of bought into your personality. And so many, like you said, so many people try and be someone they're not, or they try and they see someone do something and say, I want to do that, but they don't realize what their gifts are. And maybe they try and push those gifts or they try and do something that is just, you know, not what they should be doing. And I think it limits them. And when we really embrace who we are, who God made us and what, what we're good at, I mean, you, as you can see with Adam, this is, this is taking you to places. I don't know if, you know, you're where you want to be, but you've, you've probably done some things in your life that you never thought you would do. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I remember hearing, and it's cliche and sounds kind of corny, but like there's a superpower in everyone, right? Or there's a genius in each of us. And, and that is true, right? Like, I mean, think about the players we coach or the students we teach and stuff. There is something about each and every one of them that is really special, like really, really special. It's different, right? But like every single one of us, maybe that's just what God gave me, right? This desire to grow and bring people together and build up and and, and just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. So be it. Yeah. And your late, the latest thing you've kind of been doing, or, you know, your big latest thing is the lead them up curriculum, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's a, a curriculum, leadership curriculum that, uh, you know, Adam will give to school. Sometimes he goes personally, sometimes coaches use this curriculum to grow leaders and build leadership abilities and characteristics in their players. Um, you know, I've used the program personally. Uh, it's been amazing for our team, for myself. Um, what would you say maybe to somebody who's got a group of kids, you know, high school kids that they're looking to make leaders on their team and they're trying to uh, develop these kids into the captains or the leaders, where would you start? Like, what would be the first things you would say, all right, we need to make sure these kids have X. What we, where would you start with that? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the first thing I'd start at is making sure all the kids 
understand where we're trying to go. Like they have to understand where we're trying to go. And, and part of that is creating and, and communicating a vision of what we're trying to create. So we call that the green team within Lead Them Up. Okay. We want to create this environment. We want to create this type of team. We want to create this type of setting within our program. And for us, we call it the green team, right? And there's so much, it's very dynamic and all that. But I think if when we talk about leaders needing to step up or we want to develop leaders, I think oftentimes kids don't even know what that means. Like, okay, okay, leaders need to step up. You know, I, I'd wonder if we stepped in the head of a player, a young person, and you say leaders need to step up, they begin process. Okay, so does coach want me to like lead the huddle, right? It must mm-hmm. be like rah-rah, Drew Brees style. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, when we talk about needing this type of leadership, what? all right, they need it to be clearly laid out, the vision. This is what we're trying to create. And the reality is once you establish what it is you're trying to create, that then gets to the leadership second, right? Because we then recognize, okay, in order to get this, we have to build this because we're not given this. Like we don't snap our fingers and we're given this incredible culture environment, uh, winning uh, uh, dynamic here. We've got to build that. So, So once we establish where we're trying to go, then we begin to put it on the people and say, okay, well, in order to build this, we've got to do the following, right? We've got to be really sharp on relationships, right? We've got to love one another. We've got to serve one another. We've got to show up consistently in a special dynamic, i.e. what we call vitamin D, right? When you feel like sunshine, when you walk into the room, right? And everybody loves a little sunshine on them. So, you got to show up regularly. You got to have the habits, the focus, all those different traits that you begin to work on to build up the leader. I think it all starts though when you cast that vision for where we're trying to go, what we're trying to build, and almost put it onto the players and say, "Don't you all want that also?" Like, I mean, don't you? Because if we have that, you're gonna love this year. We're gonna get the most out of our team this year. This will be an experience you'll look back on and say, wow, man, that team 2020, 2021 team, oh my gosh, that was so incredible. And I love those stories, right? Because athletes know those. They they reference years of teams that they've played on that are always really special and different. Andrew, I'm sure you have a team, right? I'm sure you could go back and say, man, that 2015 X team, whew, that was that was that was special. You know, well, so that's how I started. I believe the vision, getting everyone to hold on to the vision. And then we start talking about the traits and the skills that are going to help us build to get to where we want to go. Yeah, man, that's I'm thinking as you're, you know, you're talking about building these traits and you're talking about casting a vision as a leader and as a coach. You know, that is a huge responsibility for coaches, because if you if you don't start out casting a vision where people are going to buy in and they're not going to see themselves as leaders or where they can possibly be, that build that building process may not go as planned. And I'm, I'm just thinking about like different situations in my life where maybe I was the coach or there was other coaches doing, you know, trying to build leaders. And one thing, I'm just, you know, at Stetson with Donnie Jones, this man cast incredible vision and like when he talks you just believe it you buy into it and you're ready to run through a brick wall you're like okay like 
he's been there, he knows what to do, and we're going to do this. And everyone's on the same page. And then I've seen other leaders who cast a vision and you're like, man, how do we get there? Like, this dude has no plan. Like, does he really think we can be like that? And, and it's really hard to buy in. So you talk about this process and these building blocks, man, that vision is so important. Um, I don't know. Do you, does that make sense? Like, do you have any thoughts I, on that? Yeah, I think it makes complete sense, Andrew. You know, I think, um, you know, one thing that is, I mean, I even think about obviously the name of the show, right? Like Bible and breakfast, right? When we talk about even our faith, right? I think the, Jesus did the same thing. I think he casted a vision for like what this life could look like, you know? And like when you, when you lean into the Lord, like what your life can look like, the fruits of the spirit and things. But, but then when you begin to dig deeper, he begins to, you know, throughout the word share, you know, tangible, like guard your mouth. Right. Okay. Like, because fruits of the spirit is this, but you've got a little work to do, right? Like, yeah, you will have these traits coming out of you. The more you lean in, but like, you got to guard your heart, right? Two ears, one, like one mouth, like there's different little things, love your neighbor instructions to help you fulfill the vision. And I think the same way, right? Like cast the vision. And then along the way, we're going to give you instruction and guidance and encouragement and tools to help you fulfill the vision. And I think the greatest leaders can cast visions that can meet everybody equally. So that's, that's a tricky one, right? So you think about a team, everybody on a team although we want them all to come together, they all have different goals, dreams, and visions for how they want their experience to play out. Let's take high school, for example. You look at a high school roster. You've got the top percentage of the team maybe trying to play next level, trying to get theirs, get all, you know, get exposure, different things like that. You've got a group that, that want to compete, that are good, that want to contribute. But then you may have some that just like, they're there for the social aspect, right? They're there just to say, I'm on the team, and they want to, build friendships and relationships. Like they're not pressed for those other things, man. The greatest vision casters transcend individual interests and can tap into those while also kind of creating the bigger visions. So when we talk about like the green team, for example, let's say I have that spectrum of player wanting to get to the next level, the mix of social yet also competing, you know, it's kind of in the middle there. And then maybe, I just want to be a part of the team and have fun and enjoy my friends and build community. Well, like when I talk about the green team, I say, you know, when we grow into this, a couple things will happen. One, our ceiling will rise. Okay. So like all those that are all about winning, trying to get exposure, this will raise our exposure. We will go further. Our ceiling will rise. Right. But those over there on the other side that like just want to be part of the fun, I'm going to tell you right now, our team will grow closer through this process as friends, as brothers, as sisters, whatever it happens to be, right? This experience will be enriched immensely when we build this. So you signed up to be part of a social club, per se, as, a, as it relates to this team. Well, that will be stronger and healthier if we do this. Like when you can cast vision that transcends everybody's individual interest and lets them still fight for the bigger goal that's really powerful yeah no doubt i'm even thinking you know just 
kind of the stuff, the current stuff in the NBA right now where people are leading, right? They're, they're making a statement, they're leading and they're, it's their individual interest. And some people are on board, some people aren't on board. But one thing I think has been really cool is that, you know, as like an Adam Silver, I don't know all Adam Silver's beliefs, but he also empowers people to lead in a certain way. So I guess kind of what I'm asking or what I would like to ask is when you see, you know, these athletes doing, uh, taking leadership roles, stepping up, standing up for what they believe in. Are you seeing any qualities that you're like, man, that is awesome. I love, I love that they're doing that. I love how they're handling this. And are there some things where you're like, man, I wish they would maybe handle this differently. And I don't mean to put you on the spot. I don't want to put you on the spot with anything uh, sensitive, but is there any just leadership characteristics through all, you know, these, this last week that you've kind of seen that are standing out to you? I mean, I think the the boldness is the first thing that stands out, right? Like, I think there's a lot of boldness taking place. Um, and and I think one of the other things is I, I love the fact that they are recognizing their influence. So I think that's a big shortcoming and shortfall for a lot of younger leaders. I don't think they recognize their influence. And that's one of the goals for me a lot of times is to get players to recognize People listen to you. They look up to you. They admire you. You have a voice. You you can speak out, right? I, th- I think a lot of young players don't believe that people want to follow them sometimes, right? Or, or they are careless with their influence. So for me, I think boldness, I think them recognizing their influence and embracing that, I think is really good. And then I think also them being very, I think they're true doing and trying to be great stewards of that influence also. Okay. Cause you can have influence and not be a good steward of it and lead people down wrong paths and be careless and reckless and bad influence. But I feel like they're being very good stewards of that influence as well. And for that, I, I applaud them. I get frustrated for them at times because this is just such a big, big thing to overcome for society. And I know how passionate they are and how much they want to see change. And I just get frustrated because I wish some of this change could just happen. You know what I mean? I wish it just could happen, but it's complicated and it's nuanced and you're dealing with people and people are hard to change. And it's just, for me, I I feel for them and I'm very empathetic because I know how badly they want things changed. And it's just take, it's going to be a tough fight. It's going to take a while. It's going to be hard work and messy. And that fresh, that hurts me. That's a separate note because that has nothing to do with them. I just, I feel for um, my black brothers and sisters that are frustrated and hurting because I mean, it's just not, it's not going to be a snap your fingers and we've cleaned the, the country up. It's going to be painful. It's going to be challenging and timely. Yeah, no doubt it is. When you when you when you have empathy and you want to see something change and when you're as passionate for something and it's just not happening as fast as you want it to happen, it is tough. And I, I like like you, I hate kind of standing by and it's like, man, I, I wish I could do more. I wish we could make this just, you know, uh, the millions of people across the country just solve this problem. But it's it has been cool to see people step up and, and speak out. And I, like you, man, I just, just keep praying that, that our country gets better, that our country grows and that we, we just stay united. So thank you for that and, perspective. Man. And, and, and let me tell you something that's been on my heart too. Like, um, sorry to kind of interject here. I just oh, want to good. share this here. 
you know, that is why I think we have to continue sharing the goodness of God, right? We have to continue sharing the goodness of God because in the midst of us trying to push legislation and reform and things of that nature, all of which are important, all of which play a role, at some point, we've got to start talking about what's going to change the hearts of people, right? Like, like what's going to change the hearts of people? There is evil embedded in people's hearts, and it is deep, and it is taken over. And what's going to change that? And just being as practical as I can be, I've yet to see anything across the country, anything across the world with the success rate of transforming hearts the way the Holy Spirit does. Not saying there's not things out there that can transform people, not saying counseling and books and education and different things can change people. It can. But when I'm talking about what do I what have I seen to be the biggest, most successful transformation of the heart? Does it mean it cures every heart? Does it mean that those that have been transformed can't fall back into the trap of sin and things like that? Because I know people will quickly say, oh, yeah, well, Christ didn't save that one guy who claimed to be a Christian and still did acts. Right. Well, keyword claim in many instances. All right. It's still the number one most transformative spirit in the world is the Holy Spirit. And I think it's for, for us, we've got to get down to What's going to change the hearts of our people? What's going to change the hearts of the people in our country? Let's talk about that. So for me, I've been thinking a lot about that. And anyways, just wanted to share that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did because you are so right that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what changes hearts and the Holy Spirit. And I, I think people need to hear that. And it's not always what people want to hear, but it is true. He's, he's changed my heart. He's changed my life. I know he's changed your life. Um, and, and, we've just, got, and we've got more testimonies than people would ever care to read on that, Andrew. Like yeah. literally, I mean, we could sit here for hours and for days. And I want and I think people need to really continue sharing that boldly to say, listen, like I was the most selfish, egotistical, um, you know, all about me willing to overcut and and, you know, treat people unfairly and, and do all these things. Right. That was me. It's not me anymore, right? Is it maybe in me still? Probably, right? Do I have to fight it regularly? Yes. But has the Holy Spirit been able to override it 99.9% of the time? Yes. Does it come out at times? Yes. But even when it comes out, because of what the Holy Spirit has done in me, he's created a Christian consciousness that is strong and alive, that even when I do do things I shouldn't do, Man, I've got a conscience that is lit up that makes me say, man, I can't I can't do that. Why would I do that? You know, whereas a lot of people do that and then justify it. Right. Like that's a big difference also. Right. You know, so for us, we got to keep talking about that. And here's one other thing been on my heart. Right. I think we also need to draw a line in the sand. And I think it would be best for society's sake. To remind people that there is a strong difference between a Christian and a Christ follower. Mm. There's a strong difference between a Christian and a Christ follower because there, there is a lot of people out there claiming to be Christians. Ahmad Aubrey, 
the killers of Ahmad Aubrey, running him down, right? Claimed to be a Christian. But keyword claimed. Like, there's no fruits of that spirit, right? There's no following. There's no living in accordance. None of that, right? And there's a lot of people that are claiming to be Christians and they claim it because of their upbringing, what they most closely associate with if they had to choose on a Scantron, which are you, okay? Like, which are you? Oh, out of those options, I guess I'm Christian, right? Because I've been, I went to church as a kid or I've been, my parents were this. Mm -hmm. No, no. Christ following, right? Because if you are a Christian and you truly believe in what is written, there is no halfway there. The miracles are too incredible. Everything that is written is too miraculous for you to only partially follow. Because if you truly believe what has been written and what has been shared, it is so incredible. There's no way it doesn't push you to be all in. Okay. Well, I guess that resurrection thing, I mean, I guess it was kind of cool. Like, yeah, yeah, it was kind of whatever, right? Another day. No, you don't. Like, you're all in, right? And I always think about this, man. Back in the day, I used to listen to a song by a rap group called Mob Deep. It's a song called Shook Ones. Do you know what song I'm referring to, Andrew? I don't, but I'm going to have to go check it out. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to check it out. <laughs> Do you ever watch 8 Mile? Yes. Okay. It's the famous beat that he always raps over in a lot of his raps. Okay. Uh, Eminem does. And, and it says, like, scared to death, scared to look. You're shook. No such thing as a halfway crook. Does that ring a bell at all? Scared to death, scared to look. You're shook. Anyways, I bring that up because that whole, art, that whole song is about halfway crooks. And essentially, it's on a message of if you're going to live – in the streets, if you're going to be about this life, if you're going to gangbang and do all these different things, you better be all in. There's no such thing as halfway crooks. You can't live halfway in the streets. You're either in and with us or you're out. And essentially what he's saying is like, if you're not all in, you're not going to embrace it enough to be successful, right? You're not going to be all in. You're going to be trying to live over there and over here. And it's not going to work, right? Because we're not going to, you know, it's just not going to play out the way you think it's going to play out. And I think about that song a lot of, and relate it back to, you know, our walk with the Lord. Like, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work if we're just like kind of claiming to be it, but not really it. You've got to be all in. And, and I think we do a disservice to society when you've got a lot of people that are claiming it, but not living it. But then all of a sudden, changing and affecting people's perception of it. And that's a really dangerous place to be at. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great perspective. Just halfway Christians, man. I, I think that's so true. And thank you for sharing that, Adam. Um, I hope, I hope we can all be all in with this, you know, following Christ and, and really living through love, loving people, loving who they are. Um, so thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah. And thank, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Um, it was awesome. I loved hearing your perspective on stuff as always, as I'm sure everyone else did as well. So uh, thank you, Adam, so much for being with us today.